Welcome to another episode of the Confidence Ballroom Podcast. So today we have Christina with us. Christina is a transformation coach for women who refuse to settle. She empowers women to take control of their lives after a breakup or divorce. Christina is a single mom who has been through two divorces herself. And from those experiences, she has been able to redefine what it means to be single. And now she wants to change the narrative that women aren't complete without a partner. Welcome, Christina, to the Confidence Problem Podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm so thankful to be here. I'm so honored to have you. Right, Christina, do you know, we, we have spoken before and I have to say your story is one of those that really, really touched my heart. And, um, and I want you to start with, like, to share with us, what did childhood mean to you, like going all the way back? What was your childhood like? So my childhood was uh, very interesting. Um, my parents, I'll go way back. So my parents actually got married when my mom was 16 and my dad was 18 years old. And then, oh. yeah, they're very young. My parents, my grandparents on my mom's side, they gave her permission to get married because she wasn't of age. So it's not like she could just run off and get married at 16, but they gave her permission to get married. And they had me at 18 years old. Well, my mom was 18 years old and my dad was 20. So, you know, very, yeah. very young. Uh, they didn't have a lot of money. We lived in Baltimore at the time in the city. Um, I obviously don't remember a whole lot because I was a baby, but I do remember we lived in a tiny apartment. At one point we lived with my grandparents and then eventually yeah. we got, you know, we kind of, as my parents built up over time. We moved into a townhouse and then we moved to Virginia and then all my siblings were born. I have three siblings that are much younger than me. Um, But throughout that time, what was interesting was seeing the changes in the dynamics of my family. But then also, as you know, as we get older, we start to realize things and recognize things about the way people talk to us or the way we're being treated. It can either lift us up or make us feel, um, you know, invisible or like we're not good enough. And so from that time, I would say around age seven or eight or so, I started to see the way that my dad talked to me and it it didn't feel very good. Um, You know, I, so I grew up with him being emotionally abusive. Um, Mm. I would say psychologically abusive as well. Um, but the thing about my father is that he came from a family growing up where there was abuse, physical abuse, um, by my grandfather towards my grandmother. Eventually they divorced. Um, but even before that, my grandfather was, uh, committing crimes. So he was in and out of jail or running from that type of thing. So my dad didn't really grow up in a very safe home either in, in a different way. And so the one thing that my dad would always do throughout my childhood was be around, which to yeah. any kid that sounds like, oh my God, your parent, your parent was around, like you're so lucky. But the thing is, I would hear daily comments about my face. So when I was a teenager, he would call me crater face. Um, at one point I dealt with dandruff and he'd call me Crustina. Um, this is a couple of names that obviously stick with me because he used them a lot and he would laugh at me. Um, 
So I grew up with a dad who was present, but a dad who didn't really build me up. You know, I think he thought he was building me up as in he was making me tough skinned, not recognizing that I'm actually an empath and very emotional and empathetic towards people. So I, I bring in all Mm -hmm. kinds of energy and also it turned me into somebody who just wanted to be pleasing, right? Not rock any boats, try to, try to see anything coming before it came, smooth everything over. Um, you know, those are some great life skills as an adult, but I think they came out of what I had to navigate through in my home because the other side of my dad too, was that if he would get mad, he was very easily angered and impulsive. So I would never want to set him off. So I'd always be trying to not set him off. But for example, if I couldn't find something in my attic, you know, my dad was like, I need you to go find this thing in the attic. And I couldn't find it in the attic. He'd ground me. I mean, you know, Mm -hmm. so like excessive punishment for silly things. So I just never felt safe. And what I didn't recognize as a child that I figured out much later was that my mom played a part in that too. You know, I directed Mm -hmm. for many years, a lot of my anger towards my father because he was the one who outwardly hurt, hurt, hurt me. And then I realized that my mom, she didn't do anything wrong. And she was always a good mom. Like she was there for me. Obviously she fed me, she was around, but she didn't stick up for me. She didn't tell my dad to not, use that kind of language, that that language is hurtful. Um, and she wasn't really warm and loving. She was present and, and there, but she wasn't warm and yeah. loving. She definitely didn't defend me. So I grew up uh, in what anybody would look at as a, a nice home with two parents who are around all the time, but I never felt safe. And I, as much as my dad was so happy that he was present in my life because his dad wasn't, he never realized that it was actually yeah. wishing that he wasn't around because I never felt comfortable when he was, yeah. I never knew what he was going to say or do that could hurt my feelings, you know, or make me feel uncomfortable. Yeah. So um, that's a little bit about like my childhood. But in addition to that, my father also kind of followed in my grandfather's footsteps. And when I was around two, he was, he went to jail. He took the rap for something my, my grandfather did and then again, in my mid twenties, I was about 25 years old. He actually got arrested for the second time. Something I think could be like a lifetime movie because, um, he had been followed by the FBI for, I believe months, who knows, maybe even years. And oh. my son was about two at the time. And I was going to drop my son off to my mom for her to watch him so I could go to the doctor's. And yeah. she called me crying and she was like, don't, don't come over right now. I can't tell you why I'll, I'll tell you later. Don't come over right now. And she was crying. And I'm like, well, that is interesting. Yeah. And what I found out was that, um, after my siblings went off to school for the day, the FBI, they were waiting for them to leave for school. The FBI like drove up and arrested my dad and yeah. then kind of went in and took I guess, whatever evidence they felt they needed to. So they like raided the house and, and took a bunch of stuff, um, which was, you know, very devastating for my siblings because they still lived at home at the time. I was yeah. an adult already. But what what is interesting is my youngest sister at one point, after my dad was out of jail, I brought her with me to go visit him. He lives in Florida now. And she's very angry at, at him for what happened. 
and for like ruining yeah. her nice lifestyle that she had at the time because their lifestyle was very different after he went off to jail. Um, yeah. And she used to be mad because he wasn't around. And I said to her, Kimberly, did did you ever think about what life would have been like if he would have been around though? Because she was only coming from this like, what was me? My father wasn't here. Perspective yeah. where I'm coming from. Well, he was there and it was kind of terror, you know, like yeah. Yeah. You have different perspectives based on our different experiences growing up, which is, was interesting. Um, yeah. Because I know that she came from a, she was very hurt too, but it was from a whole different mind frame. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's a different perspective, isn't it? Yeah. And once I got into my early twenties um, and I was going through my divorce from my son at the same time that my dad was arrested, by the way, they both happened at the same time, literally probably the hardest year of my life. Uh, and not just because of those two things, but also I was raising a two-year-old on my own, getting my master's degree and I started teaching. <laughs> I, I don't know how I made it through that time in my life because it was really hard. But I, before that time point, was a very unhappy person. And I thought that life was just something that, like, some people got lucky. It was like a chance, a game of luck or something. And some people got lucky, right? And you got the lucky, you know, straw. So you get to have a great life. You feel happy. Oh, look at how great your parents are supportive and yeah. kind, loving. And I got the short straw and this is, you know, what I got in my life just is always going to suck pretty much. But yeah. around 25, I wandered into a bookstore, Barnes and Noble one day into the personal development section and this book called the power of positive thinking. I just came across, I wasn't looking for it. I just, I don't know. I was sad, yeah. walked over that way. And that's what I found. And that book really was changing for me because I realized that I had a choice in creating yep. happiness in my life that I could actually have control over my life. And before that point, I think I just felt like life was just happening at me and yeah. I you to control it. And I believe that that probably had to have come from, you know, the way I was raised, you know, my, I didn't have any boundaries with my parents, for example, like with my dad, there was no respecting of my boundaries there was no emotional support. Um, and so I just never thought I had a choice. And so yeah. that book was very empowering. But yeah, so that's a little bit about my story. <laughs> love that. You know, I love how you're able to articulate it so well. And it really makes me think so many different things, I have to say. So a few questions from that. And I just want to kind of see, you know, when you said your parents got married really young. Do you think, because this is something that happens even today, maybe not at 16 years old, but I think there's a lot of younger parents today as well. You know, do you think getting married young um, is a good idea in terms of when you're trying to raise a child in terms of their own maturity, their own life experiences? Because this is something that I went through myself. I got married at 20, after, just after I passed 21. Both me and my husband were 21 when we got married and I had my daughter when I just passed 22, so almost 23 years old. And at that time when I was getting married, I had a lot of people say to me, like, I was crazy, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I, for me, I think growing up, though I had a lot of toxicity in my family as well, um, 
I think for me, I've always had the feeling that I wanted an amazing family. I wanted to be that amazing wife and be that amazing mom. So it was something that I was so drawn towards and I wanted to make it work. So I did that, you know, but I've seen a lot of people marry young and did not make it work either. So my, my thought process, is it the age or is it just that it didn't work? Because there's a lot of people who get married old and it still doesn't work either, do you know? And so do you think age is a factor when it comes to getting married and starting a family? I definitely think that there is something about age being a factor. A hundred percent I do. And the reason why I believe that is not just because my parents got married young and I also got married young too. I got married at 19, yeah. my son's father. And we had Luke when we were 24 years old. So young as well. Uh, and our marriage did not ultimately work out. So I, I think that age does play a factor. And the reason why I believe that is because when we're younger, our brains are not fully uh, developed, they're not fully formed. We're not fully certain of who we are and how to navigate the world. And I also believe that depending on how you were raised, and what yeah. strategies you have in your toolkit on navigating life and navigating relationships, it can make it almost impossible for a, a relationship to survive when you get married young. I think in your case, maybe you, you guys were able to work through it because maybe you had somebody you could talk to on the hard moments, or you had some sort of strategies or some, either maybe you or your husband, some kind of way to navigate those things even at a young age so I don't think it's impossible but I do think that it does make it harder more of a challenge yeah because like you said even people when they get older uh married older they don't work out and again falls back to well what what examples do they have for how to make a relationship work do they even know how to make a relationship work I mean it doesn't really matter for age if you both people aren't committed to making it work and aren't committed to seeking out the resources or looking for role models even so like even yeah. I think finding couples that are healthy to you know become friends with or learn from or emulate you know if you don't have things like that or you don't even think that's something that you need to do I don't think it would matter your age it still wouldn't probably work out in the end but I do think that ultimately like age I think does does play a factor just because of yeah. development reasons yeah yeah because this is something that I've had a lot of people had this conversation with me and I don't know I never really had an answer for it I think it's um I think you just need to know it whether you're ready and and who the partner is and I don't know for me I think a lot of it was that feeling um Christina a lot of it was like I just I just left him and um, I just trusted it and and at the end of the day I just wanted to make it work you know um and so blessed but you know I, I it always makes me curious because I've had so many people tell me like getting married young is so bad that you can't raise a child when you're young but I don't know. I think maybe it just depends on what you've just said, you know, whether you come from the right environment or whether you're mature enough and whether you know what you want. I suppose so. Okay. Let's move on to presence. Now, this is 
you talked about your dad being there, but not really present in your life, right? Like present yet not present. And I think in, in this context, in today's environment, this is happening every single day. I think it's so many different families. Like they are working parents or they are in business. They could be even working from home and they have kids right beside them, but yet the kids feel like the parents are not being present in their lives. You know, and I think today's parents, the way they define presence is like, oh, I'm going to just treat them, go out and bring them out somewhere or I'm going to buy them something you know and I'm like is that really presence in the kid's life what is your definition of presence and how can parents actually be more mindful that they are truly present in their kids lives I think for presence it's more of a quality over quantity aspect because like you were saying you could be right near each other but if you're on your computer and they're on their phone and you're not really connecting. I do think though, that that's okay. Like, I think you can have those moments where you're both like my son right now is in his room on the computer with his friend while I'm out here working, you know? And I think that's totally fine. But at some points in the day, you find times to actually connect, have conversations together, you know, and it, and it has to vary based on your kids too. My son being a teenager now loves action movies. So one of the ways I love to connect with him is just by watching an action movie together because yeah. he enjoys it. And then he'll sit right next to me and we'll hang out for several hours. You know, um, there's other things too, like top, like top golf. He likes that. So just trying to find, you know, when they're younger, it's a little easier to self, you know, to direct them into their interest. But as they get older, they're very adamant in what they like and don't like. Um, So I think it's, as a parent, I see this a lot of parents. And even with my son's father, sometimes we want our kid to be a certain way and to like certain things. And then we get frustrated when we don't. And I think that's just the nature of our kids, right? They're not going to be just like us. And yeah. so it's really important to put your ego aside and your, I just wanted my kid to be like X, Y, and Z aside and just yeah. know what your kid likes. So for example, my uh, son's father and Tim, they play chess through their phone. My son's father lives an hour and a half away. He doesn't live near us. He does see him like on the weekends though, but one of the ways they still stay connected is through playing each other through chess. And I think what's the words for friends or something And my son loves that stuff. So it's like finding little ways that you can have a quality connection with your kid that's around their interest as they get older. Like I said, when they're little, it's so, I think it's easier. But I remember I could do a lot of things with my son and he'd be like complaining for about 10 seconds. And then he'd be like, oh, okay. Doesn't happen when they get older. They complain the whole time. Like, (laughs) just keep going. (laughs) And then sometimes it's important to tell them too on the other side it's important to let them know that, Hey, we're doing the thing you don't want to do. And here is why, you know, like I love taking my son traveling. I love eating meals with my son and making him put his phone away. He doesn't want to do those things, but I'm like, we're going to do the thing right now. And I know you don't want to, but it's important for us to talk to each other for a little bit, you know? So while while we want to engage them in their interests, we also want to explain to them it's important to do things with the family too, whatever your family dynamic looks like, you know, so that they learn that while they are important, the whole world isn't all about them. And sometimes we have to engage people in their interests as well. So it's kind of like a well-rounded approach. I love that. Something that always bothered me about parenting 
And this is the old leadership paradigm, I believe, is the uh, because I said so phrase. You know, I think most people, children especially, are going to be okay with what you ask them to do for the most part. They might still complain a little, but yeah. they're going to be more okay to do what you ask if you give them the reason behind the Totally. Act. You know, yeah. instead of assuming that they can't handle it or that they don't deserve to. I don't really understand that phrase. It's, it's like a control thing, right? Like, well, I said so, so you must do it. You know, yeah. Yeah, let yeah. them know. I'll be so blunt with my son sometimes when he complains about doing housework, like, why do I have to do it? I'm like, Luke, I've explained to you why you have to do that. I'm going to explain it again. You are a contributing member of this household. Therefore, we both take care of it, yeah. you know? <laughs> so, yeah. like, but I think the explanation matters. He needs to know he's a member of the family. And as a member of the family, he's going to work with me to keep house clean, not just a, well, I told you to do it. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Isn't it yeah. Thinking for themselves or like feeling safe to ask questions. So yeah. an aside, I just, want I to love that. Talk. I love that. You know, again, just brings me back to again, how I was brought up. Like I, my mom, she used that phrase so much, just go do it. Yeah, like just go do it yeah and I and I think maybe when I was growing up I never really thought about it when I had my daughter that kind of kicked in quite a lot like why just why you know I I even now if I were to travel back home and I've ever stayed with my parents for a couple of days I would be made to clean up the house in the morning like I'm there on a holiday I want to travel out I want to eat I want to do stuff instead of that I would wake up and she would be like okay because she goes to work and then she would leave us a note because we sleep in because of the time difference she leaves us a note and she'll be like okay before you leave the home can you do this 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 and my daughter she'd be so furious she'd be really mad do you know because she'd be like why do we have to do it and again I think it's not even coming from a space like why but it's like you have to go do it you're staying here it's free lodging you know that kind of attitude so yeah. it was really bad really really bad and I think yeah it, it never really made me feel like I was part of the family like what you say so I'm just contributing and I just want to be that like just do it because we're family but rather you do it because you you're so free or you you got nothing else better to do like that's how I was treated growing up you know yeah. and it was awful it was really awful and I totally yeah I totally get you where you say like you know like the same thing with my daughter she's 18 and it doesn't I can never get away with just telling her, just go do that. Like, it doesn't yeah. work that way. Do you know? Yeah. It's like having conversations with them as to why I think you can't go here or you can't do this or why you need to be present for this event or something like that, you know? And these are healthy relationships because I think with these relationships, not only do we educate them, but it also kind of sets them to know that what, how to prioritize things and how to think about things as a wholesome so that when they have their own family and so on, they're contributing, right? Like you don't want to raise kids where they are just not contributing to the family at all. Like, that's awful. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's that's awesome. Now, and, uh, just... I wanted Sorry, to add. Me... No, it's okay. I wanted to add. You reminded me of the story about leaving the list of things to do. When I was a kid, um, every Saturday. So my dad never yeah. let me. My dad wouldn't let me sleep in. My dad always yeah. said, "You're young. You should just be awake. Why are you sleeping?" So my dad would come Same. in. 6am in my room, wake me up and then give me a, like not a written list, but a verbal list while I like half awake of all the things he wanted me to do before he got home from work that day. And then he would leave. Mm. I hated that because I'm like, yeah. I wake up and I'd be like, well, what did he even say? 
I hated that. So that yeah. was one of the things was like, for me, I'm like, I'm not going to do that to my son. I'm going to let, I and love, so- I always let Luke sleep in unless like we have something going on. Right. So exactly. on a normal day, I, you know, from a developmental standpoint, in case there's somebody out there listening that doesn't know as kids get older, once they become teenagers, their sleep clock changes and it's a developmental thing. So they actually change their sleep cycle where they like to stay up later and sleep in more. That is a normal part of a child's development in puberty. And here my dad is yelling at me, like, why are you, why are you still, you know, sleeping right now? You need to be awake and doing things. I never slept when I was all this stuff. And I'm like, but he didn't understand that. Like, actually I needed my sleep then I was growing as a human. (laughs) Like, yeah, I respect my son and allow him to have his sleep until he wakes up, unless we have something going on, of course. And, you know, then once he wakes up, I'll, you know, if I have things for him to do, I'm like, Hey Luke, I have some things I need you to do today. Yeah. And then, or I'll leave him like, I'll write him a list on a whiteboard. You know, I've done those things, things like that. I just think are so much more helpful than like barging in when somebody's Exactly. You know what? Yeah. Oh, that was so awful. It just brought me back to bad memories now. So yeah. horrible. Do you know what I mean? It's just, yeah. I had the same thing too. My parents, they hated when I slept in. And I'm not a morning person, even till today. I'm not. Like, I yeah. work better at night typically. Um, so maybe I'm just a child still growing up, Christina. But anyway, uh, I love the nights. I work better at nights. And so growing up, my parents, um, they would wake me up at 6.30-ish, 7.00. And I, housework, housework was the main thing. Like my parents were obsessed with our housework, you know, like the tiles to every single damn thing. Like it was horrible. And it always really dawned on me because I was the oldest daughter and then I had my younger brother and he would never do anything. Never, you know, like I had to, yeah, it was really bad. Like I had to do every single thing and he will be treated like he's a prince, you know, like he doesn't touch the plates. He cannot wash plates. He cannot go to the shop to buy things. He cannot carry heavy things. And I, as a female, would be like carrying all the bags of the groceries and heavy stuff and he'll be just walking. You see, the thing is, I think it didn't matter that female male. I don't think it really bothered me at that time. I think it was just the the, the impartiality, you know, where you treat yeah. one worse off. Okay, let's talk about, you know, I was when you were saying all these things, one thing that, that made me really think is generational guilt, trauma, you know, limiting beliefs and all this stuff, right? So it's from generation to generation. And for me, one thing that was super important to me was to break that from my point so that my daughter doesn't have to even know like what it actually means to go through that. And it's so funny because I was talking to my daughter about this podcast that I'm starting to do right now and interviewing and listening to stories. And I said to her, you know, would you want to come and just like, you know, listen in, be like, we can do it together and you can get inspired and you can ask them questions too. And one thing she said to me, because she was reading some of the bios together with me, you know, and she was like, that's so inspirational. But she said to me, I don't know what I'm going to ask them. Like, I don't know what it means to be there. So I don't know if I can relate and ask the right questions, you know, and that made me think so much. You see, the thing is I can ask maybe because I'm so totally able to relate to a lot of stories and, and kind of just know where that comes from, you know, but she was, I don't even know what that means. 
So how do I know what to ask? You know, and that really made me think. So as for you, Christina, like what do you think or what do you think parents who are going through bad relationships or, you know, because there is a lot of women that I know personally, whether it's clients or just people that I know, are stuck in toxic relationships. And it takes a lot of, lot, a lot of courage, I think, personally, to walk out of something that doesn't serve you anymore. You know, maybe because I think a lot of them, at least from what I've heard, a lot of them are not financially stable. So they feel like if they walk out, they don't know what to do next. They think they are not worthy of love. They think they can't find the next love. And they think they are in love with the partner still. So what would you say to all these women in this relationship right now that is toxic? They know it's toxic, but they're still stuck. I would say a couple of things. One is you can love someone that's not good for you. So you may love that person, but that doesn't mean that the relationship is right. So it's okay to love someone and not be with them. Uh, The other thing I would say is wondering about the future and, okay, if I leave this person, will I have somebody in the future? I would say, don't even worry about that. I would worry about yourself having a home environment for you. And if you have children for your children, more than I would worry about any future partner. If you're meant to be with somebody else, that person will come along. There's what billions of people in the world. So there's, there's plenty of men and and women, you know, depending on your sexual preference out there uh, for you, but that shouldn't even matter uh, when you're, you know, that really shouldn't be a focus or shouldn't matter because A lot of times the reason why we get into unhealthy situations is because we're not healthy ourselves and our number one priority should be making ourselves healthy. And the reason why we need to make ourselves healthy is because if you have children, you are their role model. And so everything that you do, they see and they learn from, and they're either going to have to spend their whole adult life trying to heal from that and unlearn those unhealthy patterns Or they can learn what it looks like to stand up for yourself, to have boundaries, to do the things that aren't hard, to navigate difficult life circumstances and how to do that. You know what I mean? And that is such a powerful way to show our children how to be different, how to have something that's different than what we're experiencing or what we had or what our you know, our parents had or their parents had, like you said, it's a lot of times it's generational. It's definitely generational for my family. So, and I I feel like I have waged an all out war just to try to break this generational trauma in in myself, you know what I mean? And I know I don't, I want that to be broken and I don't want my son to have to go waging into battle to himself. I want him to already have a lot of these tools or just at least know if he doesn't know how to navigate something, he can call me and I'll help him, you know, like that's exactly. So I know that that sounds wonderful, but at the reality is making a big change is freaking scary. So you could know that it's, it's time to go. You could know that staying in this relationship isn't right, but that doesn't mean like, okay, now I can do it. <laughs> like it's really yeah. hard. So my suggestion would be number one, I always tell women, that you have your intuition and your intuition is telling you what to do and don't ignore it. <laughs> Listen to your, yeah. there is a difference between your gut knowing and your brain talking. So yeah. still, there's many ways you can do that. Breath work, journaling, movement is really great. Walking, running, anything that can get you 
anything that gets you like doing something, that's why writing is helpful, breath work is helpful, or movement is helpful because it kind of silences your your chatter in your brain and lets your intuition and your higher self come through. So just listen to yourself. And if you know that the right answer for you is to leave the relationship, then create a plan for that. So you don't have to leave tomorrow. If you don't feel ready, create a plan. What do you need to put into place? Who are the people in your life that can help you and support you? Do you have friends? Is there any family members? Are there coworkers? Could you look for a life coach, a counselor? Maybe you could get some sessions even before you leave the relationship if you need to. Then in terms of income, it is scary I know a lot of women who uh, do not feel financially independent, which is to my dad's credit, something that he always very much pushed on me was you will go to college. You need to have a good job. You need to be able to take care of yourself. And I'm thankful for that because for the most part, I have been able to do that. Teachers don't make a ton of money. I have had definitely my fair share of support from people, but on the whole, I have been able to feel like I can live on my own as a single woman. And not I have to have a relationship with a man just to survive. But there are so many ways that you can bring in money. There is DoorDash, Postmates, Airbnb. You know, there's waitressing jobs. I know none of these sound glamorous or sexy. But if you want to get out of a situation that's unhealthy, you have to do some things that you might not enjoy. But when you get to come home at night and your house is how you want it, you feel safe, happy, and comfortable. I will DoorDash all day long for that if I had to, you know, rather than live somewhere that feels unsafe to me or raise my kids in an environment that doesn't feel safe. You can think, I know there's this older paradigm and I feel like it's not as much so now, but it still exists where we think we're going to stick together for the children's sake. But the children know, children are really intelligent and they know if you guys aren't happy and if you guys are arguing and fighting or there's like, tension in the air they feel that and they experience yeah. that and that is going to be their example of a relationship is that the relationship example you want to set for them yeah you exactly. know with my ex-husband and I we're great friends now like we did not work out well in a relationship we were mad at each other for a little while there when we first split up it wasn't like the prettiest thing but through that and healing and working on myself and him maturing too we now have a really beautiful friendship and we get along great. And our relationship and co-parenting is so wonderful, natural, easy. He's got my back anytime I need yeah. it. I can call him now. And of course it was an evolution, right? But yeah. I would rather my son see an example of, okay, my parents didn't work out, but they never made me feel like I had to pick between them. Exactly. I had to witness this, you know, unhealthy relationship between the two of them. For years and years and years on end, I got to witness what healthy looks like, but in a, you know, a separate form. Like I'd rather him have that as an example than just two parents being two don't like each other, you know? Yeah. No, because I was going to ask you that as well, because there's a lot of people out there who say to me this, I've stayed together because we have kids. And again, that's, I just don't understand it either because if anything at all, the kids see you every day, day in and day out. And that's their parameters for a relationship. 
And then again, we set the trend as to how they go, find their relationship and how they live through it. It's it's just awful, right? Yeah. So I think people just get it wrong, you know, when they say, I care for my kids enough or I love them enough so I can't come out of this relationship. I think it's so messed up when they don't understand that's not love and that's not care at all. You know, it's just how you see it sometimes. And um, in terms of financial independence, what you've said is so true. And especially in 2021 today, it's super. I, I have to say it's like this just crazy super easy to yeah. actually start something online if anything at all with zero money down and you get flying you know it's just and and the thing is everybody has got a story to tell everybody has got some passion some shape or form and all you have to do now is to find a way to to make an impact add value and monetize that right so you know it's it's that's just how would I say? I think people are just scared to leave yeah. and, and kind of tap into the unknown, isn't it? I, I think so. I think they're just afraid. Everything else that they say, like, you know, I don't know how to make money or the kids. and everything, I think it's, they are like, I don't know, maybe the defense mechanism or, or they're just scared. They're afraid, like, if I leave, what's going to happen? What's next? They're afraid of the unknown. But what's even scarier is the known is much more scarier than the unknown, actually, right? Like, yeah. so well done on that, you know, because I really applaud people who who have so much courage to do this and and I think it was the same thing for me when I packed up when I, my husband was the only sole breadwinner at that time I had a young daughter I have a dog and we had a small little family back home in Singapore then when we decided the toxicity was enough we needed to kind of just go and and just go discover what else is you know in other places of the world and just live life and he had to quit his job for that and that meant that we had no more income obviously because he quit his job we sold our property we had a little bit of money from that and um and so we came to the uk and when i did that everybody was like that's the dumbest thing anybody would ever do like you know who why would you go to a place where you have nobody no income you're going to come back all broke but do you know what like I think our mindset at that time was like, what's the worst thing that can really happen? Okay, sure. We might lose the money. We're going to come back home, maybe stay in a rental because I don't have a place anymore. And then freaking find a job and build yourself up again, right? Like that's the worst thing that can ever happen. But obviously for me, when I got to the UK, things really took a turn. Like I went into business, which was so not even expected. And it's, it's, it's been a beautiful journey. You know, it was a place where I discovered myself that that that's the best thing that ever happened, yeah. you know, where I kind of really started discovering, like, who was I? I could actually do this because I was a housewife at that time, you know, and, and do you know what I mean? So I think just knowing that you have you are where you are today, where we are standing today, we have, we have gone through so much. And so being afraid of the unknown, we don't even know what's going to happen. I think it's just madness, right? Yeah. Now, before we almost wrap up, we're almost coming to an end. I've got one more question for you, which is when we talk about parenting, parenting and, and um, co-parenting, whether they're living together or whether they're apart, how important is it that do you think of extended family members? Like this is something in the Asian background. You know, I think where we grew up, we're always told like we've got grandparents, we've got aunts and we've got all these things. And how important do you think is this family nucleus while bringing up a healthy child? I think it depends on the family. So I think the only people that, deserve to be in your life or your kid's life are the ones that are healthy and happy in terms of obviously not happy every day because everybody goes through stuff in life but as a whole they're not toxic like you were mentioning about your family members and the people back home before you left 
I think those are the people who earn the right to continue in your life. Just because their family does not mean that they automatically get access to you if they don't treat you well, or they don't treat your kids well, or they're not setting a good example, you know, any of that, that your kids witness are things that they take with them, you know? So I, for me, I, you know, have cut members of my family out, then I've let them back in, you know, I've, I've done, you know, some of them I've really kept my distance from even today. And some of them I'll see from time to time. And then some of them I talk to all the time. And even my, yeah. my son's father, his mom, she babysits Luke. Uh, well, not anymore, but she would, she would babysit Luke for me here and there. And if I go out of town, I do like to take solo trips for myself yeah. sometimes. And she'll take my son for me so that I can yeah. do that. And I, I think it's important because it's nice for my son to get to be with his grandmother. I think there's really great things that can come from your kids getting to know your family members, their grandparents, their aunts, their uncles, their cousins. But the caveat being that they're not being disrespectful, that they're not being toxic or hurtful. You know, those people don't deserve to have a role in anybody's life just because they're, quote, blood. You know, that blood is the thing. I disagree with that wholeheartedly. I think if you're a good person and you're trying your best, yes, you can be in my life or they can be in your life and your kid's life. But otherwise, no, if you're toxic, absolutely not. Not just because you're family. I love it. Do you know what? The reason why I asked this question was because I had a conversation just a day ago with a client and she had a very two young kids where she was getting her parents and her husband's parents to look after the kids when they were away or they go to work and stuff. But then they were toxic just based on what she said. You know, they talk a lot about them, like the parents to the kids and you know it's a, like verbally abusive and stuff like that but she felt like that they are parents at the end of the day and so she had to respect them and she had to teach her, her kids to respect them and she just had to just do it because they're parents you know and that was something I totally couldn't resonate with at all and so it was like agree to disagree kind of a thing she was like no you know like that's family and family is family at the end of the day and we need to just respect them. The older generation, sometimes they're like that. And we just we just have to let it go. And I was like, no, we don't let it go. No. Because that doesn't earn them a right, right? Like, they, if anything at all, I would have thought they should know better. Yeah. And, uh, right? So uh, it was... It was <laughs> they should know better. Uh, yeah exactly so I I it was it was such a, a com- interesting conversation that went on for some time and 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 uh, the conclusion was that we have to agree to disagree for me I think people need to normalize that it's okay to cut away relationships even if they're family as long as they do not make you happy they are toxic and you know it you know but it's not okay to like make um you know, just kind of like be like, I don't know how, what's the word you call it, but be okay with it. Like when, when it's actually not okay, because at the end of the day, you're teaching the kids such wrong things, the community, the people that you hang out with, it matters so much, but that, that was solid. Thanks so much, um, Christina. Now, just to wrap up, Christina, you said you have a free bootcamp coming up on the 27th called the Bounce Back Bootcamp. Tell us a little bit about that. Where can people listening to this join you and or how can they join you and what is the bootcamp about? Yes. Okay. So I have the Bounce Back Bootcamp coming up and this is for any woman 
who has some stuff that they've been dealing with, whether it is a breakup or a divorce, maybe it's just feeling lost in your life, lacking confidence, not knowing who you are, all the things that can happen to us at various points in our life. So if you have some stuff that you need to work through, some forgiveness you want to do, some things you want to let go of and release out of your life, that's what this boot camp is all about because I I'm all about bouncing back, right? Whenever life knocks you down, whenever you exactly. know deal with something difficult, you come back. You don't stay down. You may be down for a moment. It may hurt and be painful, but ultimately we we bounce back, we work through it, and we keep moving on to our next level. So that boot camp awesome. is gonna be the 26th, Monday through Thursday in the evening at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And it's gonna take place in my free Facebook group. The Facebook group is called Thrive. And awesome, and I'll drop the link as well in the chat. That would be amazing. So she'll drop the link. And also if you go to offsheadventures.life, that is my website. You can find my group that way too. Or Instagram, offsheadventures is um, my Instagram handle and the link's in there as well. So there's a multitude of ways you can find me and find the Facebook group. We would love to have you. It's totally free, like I mentioned. And it's really helpful, especially we do a guilt releasing activity that's very powerful. So I'd love to have you ladies join. Yeah, that was awesome. I have to add, though, I read one of your blogs where you said how to get into first class tickets. Yeah. Um, that was super interesting. I, I, you caught me there. I loved it. Uh, that was good. Yeah, um, but I yeah, I love so I love to travel. Uh, exactly. That's part of my off key adventures. Because I, I love traveling, but I also love looking at life through the lens of an adventure, the good and the bad. It's all yeah. an adventure, right? So for the first class ticket, so please go read that blog post because most of the time when people talk about upgrading to first class, they talk about using points that you can get yeah. to cards or if you travel frequently. But what about us women that don't have that? You know, I actually yeah. filed for bankruptcy two years ago. So I don't get to get the credit cards that get you the buku amount of points that get you the first class. But I have found my own inventive, creative ways to still get to experience first class, which I think I did that for the first time in right before COVID. So uh, February 2020, I took a flight to New York and I booked first class on the way up through Delta. And that was so life changing for me because before that I thought that was only for rich people. It wasn't possible. Exactly. Like me. And then I was like, wait a second, anything is possible. Like that's my motto. I always think anything's possible. And I'm like, why am I saying it's not possible? So I found a way to make it possible. And since then I've flown first class several more times, but like I said, being creative, <laughs> very creative. <laughs> Um, and I wanted to share that with other women because we can often think like, oh, there's no way that's possible. I don't have points. Yeah. I, have it. I can't even book a whole bunch of flights anyway to fly frequently to build up points, you know, that kind of thing. But yeah. it's definitely possible if it's something you want to experience. Exactly. Exactly. That was a good one, by the way. Thanks for that. Um, but yeah, it was such a pleasure talking to you, Christina. And I think it was really eye-opening, especially much more into reality, into what's really happening with relationships with women and generational trauma that we carry on. And hopefully inspire many listeners to understand that we should not lead this on to the children. Like for me, that is the biggest reason why I'm doing this really is to, to kind of really just use stories like yours, um, you know, and other guests to, to inspire people. But like, look, you don't want your kids to grow up with mm -hmm. the same trauma that you have just gone through. 
it's it's not a nice feeling and you wouldn't want that with your kids either right so yeah. but thank you so much christina it was it was a pleasure having you and um i will drop the links to the podcast and to your um all your links your fbs your instagrams and your group and um please join her please check it out thank you thank so much you.